You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! (laughs) To the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we're here to bring you Your Community Spirit, the Enviro-Social Talk Show, every week since 1999. Yes, since the end of the world as we know it. We are online at yourcommunityspirit.org. Send us your kudos, money, and other things you know you can send money via email <laughs> info at your community spirit dot org yep that's where it's at occupy updates daily dot blogspot dot com walmart is encroaching even more into thanksgiving forcing their employees to leave their families and get to work 
Working the day is mandatory, meaning that it cannot be requested off by anyone, regardless of reason, and calling in for any reason could get you fired. Hmm. These people have families and children that they are being forced to leave in order to serve the masses who want, well, a cheap something. Yeah. So um, so people at Walmart have so much to be thankful for. <laughs> if you would like to sign on asking Walmart to stop encroaching on Thanksgiving, there is a petition online at signon.org. And if you would like the long address, we can email it to you. If you send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Which, this is very unfortunate because there is thousands of Walmart employees who have said they have an intention to walk off the job. Yeah. You know, because they're not being treated right. On and so now they're implementing something even more difficult. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good day for the walk off, you know, like that that would have a great impact if nobody came to work at a Walmart on uh Black Friday. <laughs> the, the, the the bosses would pay attention to that. Um probably. <laughs> They'd probably I mean, notice. Consi- well, now they're not doing they're doing Black Thursday and they're yeah. doing Black Wednesday. So, I mean, when do we have time for, you know, family and friends? Yeah. I'm picturing people at a Thanksgiving dinner going around and saying what they're thankful for and someone saying, well, I'm thankful I have to leave in five minutes because I'm forced to to work on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So. (laughs) And um, I'm going to get knocked over by crazy shoppers. (laughs) Only in America would we say, I thank you for everything I have. Oh, there's something cheap on sale. Let me go buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. So let's see, another Walmart news. <laughs> uh, Walmart is once again raising the costs and restricting the use of the health care provided by the company. This comes after major hikes from last year as well. Many employees will have to opt out of coverage for themselves and their families as having it has gotten too expensive for them to afford. So that's another thing that uh, Walmart's workers can be thankful for, that they no longer have health insurance. Well, I saw a graphic recently... And um, Walmart workers can be thankful that there is something called uh, food stamps. <laughs> yeah. Um, because of any worker out there, well, I forget. I wanted to say it said 42% of Walmart workers were on, um, you know, federal aid. Yeah. Medicare, Medicaid. Um, food stamps is not called food stamps anymore. It has a new updated yeah. name that sounds less like food stamps. <laughs> but um, I thought that was very interesting how many thousands of uh, people, um, you know, I don't know. I guess when you fill out the form, you have to say, I work at Walmart. Yeah, they, they probably get a lot from Walmart. And they uh, well, one thing that's worth pointing out is people sometimes complain, well, oh, you know, these people are on food stamps. Why are they taking our tax dollars to eat? You know, instead of seeing it as a subsidy for the workers, though, you can also see it as a subsidy for the corporation. Because the corporation, and instead of paying their workers a living wage, they pay the workers less than a living wage, and then the government has to step in so that their workers don't starve. You know, So basically, when you're giving food stamps to employees of someone who's working basically full-time at a place, that's a form of subsidy for the company. Because they decided not to pay a living wage to their worker. Very true. Um, some states don't feel like they're getting enough from the government that they decided they want to... Um, well, the states themselves aren't doing it. <laughs> yeah. The people in this... Have you heard about this succession movement? Yeah, the secession movement. There's it's always someone wanting to secede. Which means that, you know, 
if you know Texas um, leaves, they're basically you know they no longer um, can get any money from the government. Well, how about they just have to pay back um, their share of the debt? Hmm. You know the federal debt. Um, what else? No longer have access to any of those government programs, which there is a lot of them. Yeah. Um, including Coast Guard, um, Nat- National Guard, um, the FCC, the FAA. So they can no longer fly planes in and out of uh, uh-huh. Texas. Yeah. They can no longer have radio stations. Um, well, Interstate highways. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's a few other things. Anyway. Yeah. There is movements in 18 states that um, the truth, of course, isn't the states themselves filing. We have it here in Illinois that a few thousand people have signed a petition so far Yeah. on the whitehouse.gov petition site. Yeah. But they need to get 25,000 for, you know, and a petition. Yeah, before Obama even looks at it. <laughs> and uh, the Texas one, I think, did cross the 25,000 mark because the Texas was the highest one when I last checked. And I think... It crossed the, the threshold, so someone is going to have to actually look at that and say, well, what do we tell these people? <laughs> well, it's pretty interesting. I mean, Texas um, is, I thought it actually was in their constitution that they couldn't succeed, but they could leave the union if, like, um, what do you call it, a majority of their Congress voted mm-hmm. that that's actually in their constitution. Yeah, yeah, they have something separate because they, you know, they... The way that they got associated with the U.S., you know, they've got different rules. But It's pretty interesting. I mean, we already had a civil war. So it sounds like um, a lot of these states are the states that participated in the civil war. And I don't know if it's pure racism. I mean, we do have a black president. Well, half black. <laughs> I mean, he's partially black. That means he's partially white, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, you can tell it's... Uh, uh Cultural differences. I mean, as far as the president goes, like, you know, race is sort of a social construct, you know, so it's hard to say exactly what any of us are. <laughs> but uh, it, it clearly seems to be a struggle of cultures between people in different regions. And it highlights something I've said for a while now that, you know, the U.S., we think of it as one country kind of, but it's really a bunch of countries sewn together. You know, there's a different culture in the East Coast and the West Coast and the Pacific Northwest versus the Northeast Coast, you know. Uh, Midwest is its own different thing. Well, I mean, if the European Union, which was much more entrenched different cultures, yeah. actual different countries, can get together, you would think a bunch of states that we have a common, you know, common money, common language, common culture, that we could get along. Yeah, you would think so. Apparently, you know, uh, uh, people didn't do secession when they wanted... Uh, when George Bush started invading all these other countries, but when someone provides them with health care, then they have to secede. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, that's pretty funny. So, oh, no. So, healthcare. Um, and there's, there's problems with the health care bill, too, but I, I couldn't resist that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, here we talk a lot about renewable energy and climate change. We do? What? Because um, it's kind of part of um, our culture, hopefully. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, Obama, President Obama on climate change. What did he say? Eh, we'll see. <laughs> In his first press conference since June, President Obama was asked about climate change by Mark Landler of the New York Times. This is what Mark asked. 
In his endorsement of you a few weeks ago, Mayor Bloomberg said he was motivated by the belief that you would do more to confront the threat of climate change than your opponent. Now, um, what specifically do you plan to do in your second term to tackle the issue of climate change, and do you think the political will exists in Washington to pass legislation that would include some type of tax on carbon? Now, he had a very detailed... If you want to, it's at the end of our newsletter, which I, it's very long and detailed. But basically, let me synopsize the president's response. He had a very candid answer on climate change that would anger the left. Basically, Obama says carbon regulation is last online behind taxes, jobs, and immigration. <laughs> so he actually trotted out that old line that, the, um, if we help the environment, it will kill our economy. <laughs> yeah. So he's basically saying, once we fix everything else, then we'll start thinking about the climate. <laughs> yeah. And just in case you didn't notice, the climate decimated the economy of the whole East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, you might have noticed that the climate did, had a little effect there on the East Coast recently. You know, so, I mean, the climate and the economy are more and more going hand in hand. Yeah. They're kind of trotting down the street, whistling, saying... We go together. We're <laughs> yeah. Best buds. Yeah, let's go somewhere together. It's like, yeah. Yeah, and I'm actually gonna, uh, disagree with something a little bit that the last article said. It said that it will anger the left, this statement, but I think it's going to anger the American people. Because our next article, uh, points this out. Uh, 77% of Americans think fighting climate change should be a priority. Uh, we Americans have garnered ourselves quite a little reputation for foot-dragging obstructionists when it comes to global warming. We're the only country, first world country, that have not still signed, you know, the Kyoto Protocol of 1999, you know, saying we'll stop polluting. Yeah. Every, you know, every other first world country has signed it. Yeah. Including some third world countries like China, basically locking in their pollution at 1999 standards. Yeah, so we still haven't reached late 20th century policy levels of <laughs> acting on like, climate change. Just like, and um, we wonder why we're laughed at in the world. We're no longer, we, we are definitely no longer respected on major issues. Yeah. I mean. Well, because it makes you look ridiculous. You know, 97%, 98% of climate scientists say that it is happening, it is being caused by humans, and the effects are negative. And then there's, a majority of American politicians who say it's it's either not real or we don't really care about it. It makes us look like fools. <laughs> but I mean, 77% of Americans say it should be a very high priority. Yeah. So that is that's a tension there. Like, what do we do about that when the politicians say it's not a priority and the American people say it is a priority? Don't we, like, could, aren't we supposed to be like... They are elected by us. Yeah, I Aren't thought they supposed they... to be re representing us. Yeah, wasn't there some sort of process every two or four years where we pick people who reflect our uh, our values? <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, you know, uh, this this survey was a post Sandy survey, and a post Sandy America is crying out for action on climate change. This is a survey from the Yale Project on climate change communication. Uh, a large majority of Americans, seventy-seven percent, say global warming should be a very high high or medium priority. Uh, and one in four say it should be a low priority. So uh, I guess Obama's siding with the one in four people who think it should be a low priority. And one in four people obviously don't live where, you know, all the crops dried up and died or got hit by Sandy or got hit by a hurricane. 
I mean... Yeah, that's probably the people who haven't, like, felt any direct personal effect yet. So they're like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, what do I care about the other people in my country, you know? <laughs> now, I mean, a hurricane like Sandy, um, hurricanes, you know, would have happened and have happened in the past. But this hurricane was 22% stronger than any hurricane in the past 50 years. Yeah. And there are concerns that because there were some unique aspects of it that may have been related to climate change, they're concerned that there's going to be more of these, you know, as time goes on. That this, this is kind of an isolated incident up to this point, but there may be more storms like this. And, uh, they, this sort of counteracts a point that, uh, President Obama had. Uh, a large majority of Americans, 88%, say the U.S. should make an effort to reduce global warming even if it has economic costs. I mean, the vast majority are actually willing to pay more for electricity if it's clean electricity. Yeah. So, um, we here in Carbondale just passed the ballot initiative to do energy aggregation, which is, you know, you get everybody together and the city will then go and negotiate with the utility company for lower rates. Yeah. And hopefully the city will negotiate with, you know, a utility company because they don't have to use Ameren. Yeah. They can go and buy energy on the open market from many different utilities. So hopefully they'll find one that um, will do renewable energy. Yeah. At least, you know, a percentage. There's at least three cities in the state of Illinois who have done 100% renewable energy. Yeah. And if people mention it to the city and remind them that that's something they care about, the city might be more likely to do that. Yeah. And I mean... You're buying in bulk, so no matter what, your energy costs will go down. Yeah. If you have 10,000 people going to a utility company and saying, I want to buy electricity, they give you a good price. Yeah. Even if it, even if it is a slightly higher renewable energy electricity. Yeah. So. All right. Hmm. And another statistic from that study, 92% say the government should be making developing renewable power sources a priority. Well, considering this, this is an article from the executive director of the Solar Foundation, supporting a real job creator, the U.S. solar industry. After being bombarded with political ads for the past few months, most of us are relieved to no longer encounter them everywhere we turn. But now imagine if you heard this political ad. I'm the candidate who will take credit for adding nearly 14,000 American jobs workers in the past year and supporting an industry that has experiencing an astonishing 27% job growth since 2010. I'm creating highly skilled domestic jobs that pay well. I'm the U.S. solar industry, and I approve this message. Mm-hmm. How about that one? Yeah, that would be a nice I didn't, one. I didn't hear any political ad that was even slightly close to being that nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, people, like, people get so intent on slinging mud at each other because they've got nothing substantial of their own to say. And this ad is backed by fact, not any type of spin at all. Um, they just released the third annual National Solar Job Census, which found that the U.S. solar industry now employs 119,000 Americans. And that's an increase of thir- almost 14,000 um, workers and a 13.2% employment growth rate over the previous year's total. Hmm. I don't know any industries that's growing even in 1%. Yeah. I mean, there probably is, but I don't know of any that are growing in double digits. Well, so. It sounds like renewables already. 
I feel like I want to do like they're talking about climate reality now to emphasize the fact that climate change is a reality. There also needs to be a similar renewable reality project that people still sometimes think, oh, well, someday we'll have energy that's clean, you know, but it's here now. It's happening now. It's it's ridiculous to me that people still see it as a future thing or an alternative rather than the, the way to go. Well, I mean, most of these jobs are in the actual putting in and hands on the, you know, what they call it, boots on the roof, boots in the field kind of jobs. Yeah. But um, one section in the research and development section actually increased um, 8,000 workers or, or 46%. So even in the research and development side, there's a lot more workers, you know, being employed. Um, but the majority of the workers are, you know, boots on the roof kind of workers. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Anything else? All right. We could maybe mention a couple of headlines before we get into the happenings. All right. Uh, Chicago's urban farm district could be the biggest in the nation. Uh, I was actually seeing something about this on the 24 Hours of Reality, the, the climate change event that just happened. What was this? 24 Hours of Reality? Yeah. You know, we only get 24 hours? Yeah, only 24 hours for now. That's all that America can handle at, at this point. <laughs> That's a lot of reality. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of reality. I watched a good a good portion of it, as much as I could, uh, a few hours worth. Uh, so you watched reality TV? Yeah, it was reality TV. It, it was pretty intense. What kind of reality? Uh, it was climate reality. They talked about dirty weather, you know, weather caused by dirty energy, and they talked about solutions for the climate crisis. It was pretty exciting. You know, they talked to people in different countries, and we talked about what they were doing and what had happened in those countries. So it was 24 hours... Can you go back and see any of the 24 hours, or is it... Um, I haven't gone back yet. It was live. It was a live show, uh, and they probably archived some of it. I don't know if it's up yet, but... Uh, and they talked about Chicago and some of the green efforts that were going on there. So and the I, Climate I, Reality Project, um, you could probably see some of the back ones. Yeah, that, if you go to Climate Reality Projects. Yeah, so... But this specific one in Chicago this is a pretty interesting story here. yeah. Yeah, it's on the uh, Chicago's Black Belt area on the historic south side was once a hub for jazz, blues, and literature. But today is riddled with vacant lots, poverty, and blight. Now a new plan envisions an area as a, a thriving urban farm district. And they are, uh, uh, the planning department is expected to approve the creation of the Green Belt uh, with a strong focus on urban agriculture. Uh, within the neighborhood of Englewood. Okay, wait. In martial arts, isn't a green belt lower than a black belt? <laughs> so yeah, it, degrading from a black belt to a green belt. Yeah, well, it's it, they're not going to lose the black belts. <laughs> like, they're getting a new belt. So you get both. Yeah, you get to keep both. Exactly. And yeah, and it's a great project. It's uh, uh, it's exciting to green, you know, urban urban farming, urban agriculture. It gets food to people in neighborhoods where they might not be eating healthy food. And this is not a small project. I yeah. Mean, we're th- talking 13 square miles or 11,000 vacant lots totaling 800 acres. Yeah. And everyone who knows about urban planning or has lived in a city knows that, you know, those big empty lots, you know, they're dilapidated, you know. It's, this is a it's, lot of work. I mean, yeah. how do you get 11,000 lots, like, all under one type of program? Yeah. It's amazing to think of the difference it'll create if they turn that from... Uh, an eyesore and a source of vandalism and crime into a food source and a community source. And this is Chicago's Green Healthy Neighborhoods Initiative. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, 
figuring out a way to get 11,000 lots or, you know, 800 acres from a blight into food production and parks and yeah. just, you know, community stuff. I mean, it's been proven that if you have, like, a park in your neighborhood, you don't have very much crime. Yeah, it decreases crime because people, people are more aware of their surroundings. They feel more, you know, pride in their surroundings, and they feel more comfortable community sense. So crime starts to go down. And then people have stuff to do, you know. Yeah. I mean, something to keep them busy and a place to get food, you know. Like if you have a source of food, you know, that that helps a lot a lot of people. All right. We've talked about BP before. We've badmouthed them. BP's owning up. BP agrees to a settlement reporting in, including billions in fines and manslaughter charges. <laughs> According to multiple news outlets, British Petroleum has reached a settlement with the Justice Department on criminal charges related to the Deepwater Horizon explosion and spill. Now, the interesting thing about this is they're not fighting it. I mean, ExxonMobil, they're still fighting the Exxon Valdez oil spill in 1989. They lost, and they're still fighting and haven't paid anything. BP mm -hmm. is not fighting this. They reached a settlement and they agreed to this without going to court. Yeah. I mean, that is just phenomenally amazing. Um, BP will plead guilty to obstruction for lying to Congress about how much oil was pouring out of the ruptured well. Um, has agreed to pay the largest criminal penalty in U.S. history, including billions of dollars for this oil spill. You know, a person familiar with the deal said on Thursday. The person who spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak on the record also said two BP employees faced manslaughter charges over the death of 11 people in the explosion of the Deepwater Horizon oil rig that triggered the massive spill. So, and it's going to be it's going to be a settlement between three and five billion dollars. They haven't, you know, um, said the exact amount. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, it sounds like a harsh statement, but um, BP pulled in $25.7 billion in profits in 2011. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they got part of their allowance taken away. Yeah. So. <laughs> but can they, you imagine? Yeah. I mean, BP agreed to admission of lying to Congress, billions in fines, and manslaughter. Yeah. They. I mean, they must be scared, honestly. You know, like, they must be scared something worse would happen if... They didn't fess up, you know. They might be worried about things that you never hear about for corporations, like losing their corporate charter or having everything taken away, you know. Because basically when you destroy an entire region, <laughs> you know, pollute an entire region with, with oil, that's really heavy consequences that you might face, so. But, I mean, there are other claims still from, you know, financial institutions, insurance companies, local governments, and none of that is covered under this lawsuit. Yeah. So, um, BP done goofed. It's <laughs> just like, all right, that's the news. We better get into some happenings. Yep. Um, today is the UN International Day for Tolerance. That's good. Well, I guess we can tolerate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saturday is the Great American Smokeout, a day to quit smoking. Uh, and I, I invite everyone who smokes to quit smoking. I don't pressure them, but it's, it's, uh, it's good to not die of various cancers associated with smoking. Saturday is also a homemade bread day, 
So maybe baking some bread will help you forget about smoking because fresh bread is oh oh so good. <laughs> so yes. Okay, let's see. We've got uh <laughs> oh Monday is family volunteer day. Uh it's also have a bad day day. <laughs> some people can have a bad day every day, but <laughs> you can set it aside for Monday so it doesn't spoil the rest of your week. Monday is also the National Day of Play. Tuesday is Name Your PC Day. <laughs> Not a cuss word, because I'm sure, you know, if you have a PC, you can. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to give a PC name for your PC. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why this exists. Uh, Wednesday is UN World Television Day. Uh, don't we celebrate television enough? <laughs> well, Wednesday is World Hello Day, and so for some people, I guess the only way to say hello is through the TV. So... Yes. All right. Happenings. This week at Guy House, tonight, Friday, International Slow Food Dinner, Rice and Spice. This week's theme is Native American Feast. As we give thanks for a bountiful harvest, let us always remember to honor the original habitants of this land, the native peoples of Turtle Island. Or you could celebrate by inviting all your neighbors over for food and then just killing them all, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like... Yeah. That's, that's, that's the traditional joke. Thanksgiving guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Um, also, at Guy House, open mic night. Fridays at 7 p.m. Show off your performances in a comfortable coffee house meets living room environment. Everyone is invited. Poets, musicians, storytellers, dancers, and more. Open mic... Also, sometimes features a special guest group. If you like your group to be the special guest, let us know, and we will promote it. Um, Let's see. Also coming up, we have the International Coffee Hour. Uh, That's coming up on uh, Fridays, every Friday, including today, 3 to 5 p.m. at the Northwest Annex B building on the SIU campus. Farmer's Market, Saturday, 8 until noon, till the end of the month. And then there'll be a break, and then a new thing's happening, the Winter Farmer's Market, also yes. on Saturdays, 9 to 1 at Thomas School. Yes, winter is coming, and so is the Winter's Farmer's Market. And that starts December 1st, so. All right. This has been exciting, informative. Uh, did we have that one more to get to that uh, we got the Ooh. call about? Uh, we've also got the Vigil for Peace coming up on uh, Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. at the corner of Maine and Illinois. Uh, in Carbondale. That's at the Town Square Pavilion. Uh, and that's been going on for a long time now, so it's good to see them continuing that and bearing witness uh, to the costs of war. A late-breaking environmental event, Spruce Up Murfreesboro, Saturday at noon at the Longfellow Park between Logan and Wall Streets in Murfreesboro. Spruce Up Murfreesboro for the holidays. We're inviting everybody to prepare for the holidays by participating in a citywide cleanup event. We'll meet at Longfellow Park in Murfreesboro on Saturday at noon. The project will end at 2 p.m., picking up litter and recycles all over the city. Sounds fun. Mm, yes. It says free T-shirts. Free T-shirts, too. It might be a little cold for your free T-shirt, but if you put it on over <laughs> your regular clothes... Yeah, it'll keep you warm. There you go. We'll see you again on the radio next week. Yes. It's the week of being thankful. Yeah, so let's so be, be thankful. be thankful that you don't work at Walmart. <laughs> or... So many things to be thankful for, even if you do work at Walmart. Right. Be thankful you're still alive. There you go. 